0: Crucifixion to Creation, an interview with Father James Maudsley. Today we began a series of six interviews discussing Father's third book in his New Old series. In this book, he traces the roots of the traditional Mass back to paradise. We discuss what got him thinking, making these connections, seeing the patterns what he learned from the Church Fathers and Scholastic Theology. He explains how Christ's passion is the very form of all created reality, that the center of history, the crucifixion, touches the beginning of history, therefore it will reach the end. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, Content Director for the Fatima Center. Joined once again by Father James Maudsley. Catholic author, and we'll be talking about his book. So it's good to have you here today. Father, how are you? Very well, thank you. Father, you've written a series of books. The new old series. I've just gotten to the third one. I have not completed it yet, maybe about a third of the way through. But the first two are fascinating. And this third one, we'll probably be putting up other pictures of it, but it's called Crucifixion to Creation, so we'll be talking a little bit about it. But before we get started, Father, if you would please just lead us in a prayer.
1: In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Acciones nostras ques Domine, aspirando creveni, et adjuvando prosequere, ut cuncta nostra oratio et operatio, a te semper incipiat, et per te finiatur. Sancte Michael ora pro in
0: sancti. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. So, I have to say that I have found this book fascinating, full of tremendous insights. By far, the best fruit that I've seen so far for me is a much more attentive, conscious, active, involved participation, obviously spiritually speaking here, of mind and soul, that I'm doing at Mass. My Mass time has just been so much more fruitful. And in large part, it's because you've given us so many connections that the Mass has to so many aspects of our faith, to the scriptures, as the title implies, going all the way back to creation. And I would say even before that, before time and space and creation existed. It's fascinating, and it's wonderful to see. I've gotten a chance to talk to several other people also reading the books, and they're also enjoying them greatly. Really, my desire is that every single Catholic would read this book. And not just Catholics. (laughs) Why stop there, right? Go beyond that. So that would be my hope, that more people would read this book because it just shines forth the beauty of our faith and how infinite, how great, how just beyond our mind is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and really God's plan. That's just sort of my, I guess, little promo for why I
1: think. I think as there are forces trying to take the mass away from us, including from Rome, then we need to enter into it more deeply so that the power it works in the world, in souls and in history, is not diminished. There's an infinite amount of graces available in every single mass. So it depends upon the priest offering and those present and those who desire to be present we have this untapped graces, and the enemies will fail. Ironically, it's partly their attack on the Mass that drives us to discover the depths of it and brings about their
0: failure. Well said, Father. As you often say, the enemies of Christ cannot possibly win. The eternal Mass cannot be destroyed. So, to my first question... What got you thinking along this train of thought what got you on this road on this path building and forming all of these various connections that the mass has to other aspects of our faith because i don't see too many people talking about these sorts of things
1: Uh uh-huh um i could talk about the more remote or distant routes which say go back 20 years but more immediately it was um when i was taken out of ministry and saying mass alone and realizing that this is the closest that we can get to, let's say, Abel, Abraham and Melchizedek is in the mass. And in fact, all the souls of the saved, whether from the Old Testament or the life of the church in the last 2000 years, present here on earth now, or yet to be born. Where on earth, or what can we do to become present to all the children of God? There's only two ways. One is to die and go to heaven. And the other is to be attentive in Holy Mass. Because they're all there. They're all there. And this is just staggering. To be able to get close to Abel. Who offered a lamb and then offered his own life. For the sake of worthy worship of God. That's why he did it. That's why he was killed. And when we do similarly. That we're willing to give everything. In peacetime or war. For the worship of God. Then we're following Abel in what he did anticipating Christ, we do remembering Christ. But it's the same Jesus Christ, who's the center and pattern of everything in creation. Then the remote roots, very briefly, it's the scriptures, you know, St. Paul tells us in writing to Corinthians that everything in the Old Testament is written for our benefit. So we have to be attentive. He, He was talking about, for example, going through the Red Sea as baptism. Um, or the grumbling against the manner of the desert we can see in all the heresies against the Holy Eucharist and understand that this is an ongoing pattern. Then the Church Fathers, which I'm very deeply grateful to the seminary, the FSSB seminary in Bavaria, in Vigrathsbad where I went, they gave us the proper structure for prayer, for study, for domestic work and for recreation, which are all important. But there's time to study, the fathers church fathers and they like St. Augustine in his letter uh, Contra Faustum he pulls down, destroys this heretic Faustus who on the one hand lightly dismissed the New Testament saying it's the work of Judaizers, he was strongly against the Jews and saying they've polluted the New Testament, we can ignore the bits we don't like which is useless, but he also because he Hates the Jews. He then starts attacking Abraham and Moses. Saying they were immoral. And they were wrong. Their teaching is wrong. Because Faustus is judging it. Um, by the standards of the church. Expecting from them a revelation. That wasn't available to them. So he's wrong on both counts. It's just interesting how. I see this now with some people. Who hate the Jews. They not only get the New Testament wrong. But they dismiss the old. They attack the old. With are Right. To reject any Judaism of our faith and not to let the false understanding of the Old Testament shape the church. It's a disaster now in the whole church. But Augustine shows us not to dismiss any of the scriptures. And St. Jerome is such a genius with his one example, his letter on the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He just destroys so many heretics by where they think they have a good objection against the Old Testament. They might say that Jesus had brothers, for example, and this proves that Mary is not a perpetual virgin. He takes them to pieces. You have to concentrate when you read it, but and the fathers do it with real aggression and strong language, which we never hear now from the church hierarchy. Everything's so mild and boring, as if it's not about life and death, about heaven and hell anymore. So having time in the seminary to to read the Fathers, and then someone recommended Reverend James Megas' book, How Christ Set the First Mass, mm-hmm. which shows a lot of the Old Testament roots. And so things start falling into place. And that's why finally when we're seeing the Mass under attack like never before, because it's coming from Bergoglio and those who support him, who are the fruit of everything that's gone wrong in the church from just before and after, the Second Vatican Council, that forces us to um, think hard. OK, what is God giving us here? Why have we got to hang on to it? Which leads to the thought, well, they have no authority to ban it. And in fact, they cannot. They cannot. The, so the quote on the back of the book is seeing us that this is the passion of Christ touches the beginning of time, Eden and before Eden, it will reach to the end of time. They cannot uproot it from the life of the church or the life of the world because it is the pattern, the form of creative reality, the passion, which is the
0: mass. You're diving right in, which is great. And I just realized that maybe as the host for our listeners, I should step back and ask a couple of uh pre-questions. So as I said, this is your third book. So maybe if you could just briefly mention the others. The fourth is coming out soon. And then also just the fact that this book series is called The New Old Book Series. Uh, and that comes out there in the cover page. As I've gotten to know you, I realize nothing is done without reason, without theological significance, I should say. So if you could simply start out by clarifying why you chose that. The New Old series, and, and a little graphic there, sort of like two books, maybe a son, you could describe it better, I imagine. And then the other books that are leading up to this one also. So people are aware of that.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, well, that's the logo, if I get it right from the camera. New old here. So we think of the New and Old Testament and wonder which one came first. Of course, in time, the Old Testament was written first. But St. Thomas teaches us that what is first in intention is last in execution. That means that God has an idea of how to bring something about the New Testament, and he builds up everything to prepare for that. So, in fact, the New Testament is first in God's intention. That's why I put it there before the Old. But I also have a, a Hebrew Old Testament with the Greek New Testament, and the Hebrew starts reading from the back, and the Greek starts reading, as we're accustomed, from the front. So they actually meet in the middle with the end of the Old Testament and the end of the New Which, interestingly, is both the advent of Jesus, the end of the Old Testament promising his first advent, and the end of the New Testament promising his second advent. But there's so many parallels between them. So if you have this one volume, I'm sorry, I don't have it in my hands to show you. The Old Testament starts from the back of the book in Hebrew coming in and the New Testament from the front in Greek going toward it. And then they meet at the end of everything. So that's why I have the new on the left and the old on the right. And. The third reason is because when you compare the new and the old one, the new is better. So you put it first, which means the the covenants, the old and the new covenants.
0: And then the other two, the first two books dealt primarily with what?
1: With the Passion of Christ and Our Lady's victory over the Antichrist. And this is the whole idea of the new old series is that if we will understand how to read the Old Testament, which must be in light of the new, which is in the light of the gospel and the light of Christ. Then that is why the church is invincible in understanding what God has laid out, how eternity enters time through the passion of Christ. So from this, we understand the passion of Christ is always with us. It happened 2000 years ago, but it's anticipated through the lives of Adam, Abraham, Noah, prophets like Jonah and Ezekiel, or King David, Moses, Samson, we see how the passion is working in all their lives, and we can be sure it's working in our own life too, so that when we taste the cross and you're suffering, it's almost can be like death. There's a way of accepting, of knowing what to accept of it and what to reject, what's in our hands and what's not in our hands, um, for turning that to fruit for one's own salvation and the salvation of others. So that's why I began with the Passion of Christ, because it's the most important. And then Our Lady's victory of the Antichrist is also prefigured through the whole Old Testament, through a dozen cases of victory and triumph, won through a woman. And this is to give us hope for the end, because we can see the world falling apart, going crazy, like accelerating into a a chaotic madness. But that's almost a necessary phase. We have to see in history the self-destruction of evil. So that that may be known from eternity that although God puts limits to evil, he is going to let it have its head. He's going to let it run its course, so that those who choose it can demonstrate for all eternity where their plans lead, which is hell and death. What happens when you reject God? But if we are overwhelmed by that, Jesus said, unless the days were shortened, even the elect would fall. And that the, the book of Apocalypse tells us there will be men like collapsing in fear at the roaring of the waves. It's going to be terrifying. Now, what is the roaring of the waves? I think it's political chaos because the waves and the oceans represent in a way the, the nations of the world. And that instability of the sea is the instability we see now in politics, where we might have thought democracy was a solid, ideal form of government. It doesn't exist on this planet. It's a massive lie, which I completely fell for 30 years ago. I was ready to put my life on the line for democracy. Not, I thought we were secure in Europe, but other places where people were. I don't think it fits every country. It was never going to work in Iraq. But people in Burma wanted democracy. They've been doing so much for it, sacrificing themselves. But actually, it's just a way for the globalists to put their Puppets in control. So when Dor Aung San Suu Kyi wouldn't cooperate with them by greenlighting mass immigration into Burma, they pretty much tried to destroy her. They destroyed her reputation worldwide. So all the woke started taking back honorary degrees that bestowed upon her, for example, and writing hit pieces against her. And then she's politically vulnerable within Burma. And so what did the regime there do as soon as Biden was inaugurated? Another military coup, she goes back to prison, and now she has none of that support of the outside world. This isn't off topic. This is the chaos we see in the world now. And uh, the second book on Our Lady's victory is to assure us that Our Lady has everything in hand, that we have an important part in it, to pray, to fast, to follow her, to gain her spirit. And through that humility and trust in God, that faith and charity, The Antichrist will be completely overcome. And having babies. You have babies, but the baby to have is Christ. So in all your children, you bring up Christ through baptism and catechism and daily rosaries and the sacraments. And Jesus is born in them. So as Our Lady brought up Christ and the whole Christ, so any mother and father out there who are imitating her will bring Christ into the world who defeats the Antichrist.
0: So that takes us through the first two books, which we'll put up on the screen. And then if anyone wants to get them, you can certainly find them both at the St. Vincent Ferrer Foundation site. We'll put that up in the show more notes, as well as on Amazon. That's where uh, Father has them for sale. And then also, before I forget, I just want to mention for our listeners to know, Father, that you have your own channel, that people can hear more of the things that you're talking about. It's called scripture and tradition so you can look that up on youtube and then just before we close today father then if you could give us a brief introduction in how the central theme for this book the crucifixion to creation book what's the main idea what's the main theme we had jumped right in with abel but for our listeners i'm not sure if they yet have maybe the overall concept of the book
1: it is how by assisting at holy mass we can already begin entering eternity or eternal life starts to enter our souls and it doesn't disappear after the mass. You hold on to it unless you sin, which diminishes it or through mortal sin destroys it until by for example, confession, you can be brought back to life. So God asks for us about an hour a week to be there. Or for those who will about half an hour a day to be at Mass. And this is the life of the world. Jesus said eternal life is the knowledge of the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We get that knowledge in the Mass, and it's it's available to anyone who seeks it, basically, because even if bishops are closing down Masses now, traditional Masses, we can enter it spiritually with our understanding and our love. These are our two highest faculties of a rational animal, the intellect and the will. Um, And so by trying to understand the mass, even if you're cut off from it, and with a burning love for it and what God is doing through it, the salvation of the world, you can win those graces for yourself, for those you love, living and dead, and for the whole world. In fact, you know, Cardinal Mercier has the prayer to the Holy Spirit. And he says, um, O Holy Spirit, soul of my soul, I adore thee. And in this prayer, he talks about what well, we're asking the spirit to enlighten us, to give us knowledge and to guide us and strengthen our will. So the, the Holy Spirit, being the soul of our soul, reaches at the highest level of our being through grace so that we can know what to do and do it. And I guess the book Crucifixion to Creation is trying to say that there's a pattern to reality that is eternal life, that is the activity of heaven, but it's not activity spread out over time. It's all happening at once. That's from the definition of eternity from St. Boethius 1,500 years ago. It's unlimited life, the total and perfect possession of it, and that can happen now in this life and that The pattern we want to see, again, I'm grateful to the seminary in Vigrest for teaching us metaphysics in such a solid way. We see the form of a thing doesn't change unless it goes through a radical change like transubstantiation or wood that burns to ashes. But it can't rise up as evolution claims, except the only thing that can increase its form is human beings by the grace of God when we become like him. So if this is rambling, what I mean is that the, the passion of Christ is a pattern which fills reality from the first words of creation right through to the passion and from there through to the end of time. This is the form of creation and it's life. Life through death, conquering death, light overcoming the darkness or the darkness can't overcome the light. So that's really this third book is to try to discern that soul of our soul, the life of our life, the form of all forms that cannot change, that Francis cannot make a law that denies people the right to celebrate or assist at the traditional Mass. He's banging his head right against reality and against God in attempting to do that. And we shouldn't fall for it. We shouldn't take His pronouncements and his so-called decrees and laws, they're not even laws, shouldn't take that seriously. They're evil. They're to be ignored.
0: Well, thank you, Father. You even got into a little bit of the the practical there. We're running out of time here, so I encourage all of our viewers to view the subsequent episodes in which we'll continue to discuss Father Maudsley's book, Crucifixion to Creation. Again, I encourage everyone to get it and read it because although Father may explain parts of it, give us some insights, it certainly doesn't substitute reading his his words, very well crafted, very well thought out, in a great structure, which hopefully we'll talk about next time, Father. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and God bless. God bless. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023, All Rights Reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. All need to hear the message Our Lady brought the world at Fatima, and we must all, faithfully observe it. So for the glory of God, the honor of Our Lady, and salvation of many souls, please share the Fatima message with everyone you know, and may Our Lady reward you. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us.